to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lars Allen, Niles Marco, Bastian Geisler and Patrick McGrath to discuss uh, whether play to earn is a major opportunity or a scam. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions. Uh, Bastian, do you want to kick us off? All right. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. Uh, Bastian Geisler, I'm the CEO and founder of Ringtail Interactive. We've been uh, in mobile games for quite a while and um, yeah, always looking out for opportunities and and, uh, interesting to hear what this room has to say about the topic. Very nicely done. Uh, Lars? My name is Lars Allen. I'm the CPO at Golden Games, a mobile gaming company from north of Sweden, specialized in the Mandarin game genre. Now moving into the the play to earn space with our upcoming title. Fantastic, uh, Patrick. How's it going, uh, Patrick McGrath? Currently founding Moonlit Games here in Berlin. Uh, we're trying to make awesome mobile-first games in what we're calling the casual core space of of Web3. Fantastic. And last but not least, Niles. Thank you, Niles Marco, uh, founder and CEO of FragSheet. We create algorithms and artificial intelligence for uh, competitive uh, computer games, mostly. Let's move on to the topic in focus. So you've all prepared a question or statement on play to earn and whether it's a major opportunity or a scam. So we're going to go around the room asking everyone to pose your question and the reasons that you're asking it. Everyone's going to have their own opportunity to give their take on the situation. So we're going to start with Patrick. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, so my question is, what seems like the most promising or destructive aspects of Web3 gaming? Kind of trying to approach this from a, you know, no BS. Like, what is the good stuff? What is the bad? And uh, how do we move forward from here? I'd say uh, for me, I think one of the, bad side effects it could have is uh, when you over monetize an industry or gaming which is an hob a hobby for a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people who play it casually when you, when you give when you make it when you when you uh, provide them with opportunities to make money from it it becomes more than a hobby it almost becomes a chore and if you don't make money while playing you automatically feel like you're missing out so, for example, for me, it would be um, I like to paint. Uh, if I suddenly, if I painted a, a painting with blue colors and all of a sudden I was able to make money off it, I would be hesitant to paint with red colors. Uh, and I think that's a risk when it comes to gaming, if it becomes too prevalent uh, in, in the industry as a whole. When you play games and you don't make money, you're not going to, you're going to automatically feel like you're missing out. Uh, I think that's uh, a danger. Um, I think, um, uh, yeah, yeah. When, when, when the whole, when the whole gist of the game is to make money and you don't make money, you're not going to have as fun, uh, even though you might actually have fun while playing it. I mean, one of the aspects though, when you say the gist is to make money, um, I guess the early days of like the bad word I hate, uh, play to earn games which uh, I wouldn't even, like, this is why I, like, specifically want to call it Web3 games, but, uh, so, like, play to earn, it's, like, right there, the motivation is come in here, earn money, and, you know, engage with this Ponzi-nomic game where hopefully, like, more people are coming in and and, uh, pay you out, Um, but this is kind of, like, more or less, like, we're giving players agency. We're not saying make this your day job, right? At the end of the day, we're giving them an option rather than saying this is the only way you can engage in the game. Like sit down, earn your money, and then like go make all those blue paintings, right? <laughs> like 
it's more or less like if that's what you want to do, you could. And very much like in real life, there's a lot of niches where people do like paint in blue. And that's like why they sell these blue paintings, because that's how they can earn a living off of it. Um, so that, that, that would just be like one of the, I think, promising aspects is just like the actual agency and ownership over a digital asset. Um, Bastian, jumping in here from Ringtail. Um, I, I want to put it in context a little bit, your question, because I think the question is a good kind of way to start into the topic as well. But for me, at least, I'd quickly give a little on the opportunity side. Um, I remember myself, uh, you know, going and, and, and actually buying like a Nintendo 64 game. You got that physical copy in your hand, you went home, you put it in your machine, you started playing, and maybe the game wasn't what you liked, right? And, and you spent a lot of money. Let's say I was a kid, right? I spent a lot of my allowance or something on this game. Now, what I did, I, I took it back out and I went to GameStop or some secondhand shop and I was able to sell it, right? And then I bought two other used games. I went home and maybe I had a lot of fun with the two games. And that's how I remember, let's say, my childhood gaming. And I do believe where we are today, it's, you don't, if, if I ask people the question, how many games do you own on Steam? I get a number of answers. The only answer that I personally consider true is the answer I never get. And I personally consider the only true answer is zero because you don't own any games, right? You own the right to access it while the company has it up. If I, if I would own a game, I would have the right to sell it, which I don't. So for me, the major opportunity with NFTs and, and blockchain as a, as, a, as a concept, as a technology is to get back to what I remember gaming was, right? If there is... A, a game that I don't like, I can put my copy of that game up for sale because I don't want it anymore. Imagine buying NFTs with a license printed on it in Steam. And the day I don't like that game anymore, I go to whatever and I sell that game and someone else picks it up from me. The only downside in that concept, at least for me, is for the company that has made this game because now suddenly they need to make a good game because otherwise early adopters will sell their copies and they can't sell new ones. So honestly, for me, the biggest thing with why I am interested in blockchain and that technology and everything is that exact point, right? To give ownership back to the player. Um, that part is for me super interesting. And then in, in your question, there was that second half, what do you kind of believe is, is the downside of it or something? And I believe both you, Patrick and, and Niles, you both already touched on it. I, I personally, when I hear the words play to earn, I'm out. It's like, I'd never try that game. I want, don't want to hear anything about it. I'm not interested because if I want to earn money, I do my job, right? If I want to game, it's not about making money. If I can make something because something dropped and I'm selling it, okay, why not, right? But that's not why I'm getting into games. So for me, the whole communication around crypto gaming or whatever you want to call it today is completely side-blinded of the fact that I want a good game first and all the other things are benefits at best. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the play to earn, of course, I mean, even though, I mean, we can, we can still use the words, but it, it has of course been painted from all of the, the bad examples. And, and I mean, promising players, you know, if you, you know, if you, you, you will have a, a daily or you will have an hourly rate of actually playing the game. So it becomes your work. Then of course, we also see in the, the, the bad or the downside of that, but 
but still, I think, I mean, play to earn could still be, you know, you selling your stuff, even though the, the wording is now that, oh, somebody promised you 10 bucks an hour playing this game. Uh, so you play it for 10 hours each day, and then you'll, you have a, a, a monthly income, basically, which also becomes uh, quite, yeah. I mean, the downside is that you need more players and then it becomes a Ponzi scheme. So I think, I think, uh, yeah, we can, and, and I think that's, that's also, also the way now when, 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 especially within the bear market that, uh, you know, NFTs, like the word NFT has also become tainted. Like nobody wants to touch that. Let, let's call it, we use digital assets that you can sell instead. Let's not use NFTs because that has also become sort of a, a buzzword that, that don't have a great, uh, a great wording to it. But overall, I think, I think it's, it's, it's definitely that, yeah. Uh, if, if somebody promised something, uh, it's probably always too good to be true. when you say like, oh, you're going to make a, uh, you know, uh, an income from it in in a way where where you you just need to be there you know you don't have to put in the work or you know, win something or win you know all of those aspects yeah and i think even just from like the income aspect uh traditionally like even with gold farming and like wow or you know diablo or really like a lot of mmos it was always developing countries where you could you know like earn enough to make a, a living Right. I don't think you're going to be living in downtown Paris, grinding out, <laughs> you know, some oh, new game on, uh, on a play to earn model. Uh, but yeah, totally agree. And even on the points of like, everything has become a bad word. Like if you look at how Reddit and Netflix just sold NFTs, they didn't say NFT. They didn't say blockchain, like, like blacklist all of the blockchain words and just say hey do you have a digital wallet like do you, do you want these digital assets uh and you know what like no one's hating on them <laughs> everyone's like giving thumbs up like really excited about the stuff they purchase but i i don't know so it sounds like everyone thinks like the destructive aspects are really just like the early play to earn ponzi uh type games um but see quite a bit of promise in like the opportunity for people to engage with the entertainment form and, and have a agency to do so in different ways. Yeah. And, and um, it's also when it, when it, when it comes to NFTs, although like uh, the concept or, or the word NFT is a fairly new word for many people. If you look at gaming, uh, at least since 2004, it's always been some sort of uh, NFTs in on online games. Uh, if we take World of Warcraft, for example, if or I played a lot of Counter Strike. I think Counter Strike has a pretty good model for for their NFTs, also known as skins. Um, you don't need them to play the game. You don't get any advantages when you, when you have them, but they're very fun to have for someone who plays a lot and and it gives you incentives to play more because uh, they randomly drop. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, like you guys say, when, when people hear NFTs, they're scared away. So companies use different words, although <laughs> NFTs have been a part of gaming for, for a very, very long time. And it's uh, accepted. Um, it's It all depends on how you execute it. Uh, Definitely. I think, I think from a token side, like uh, NFTs, at least for me, are like where the, the really big benefits are because of the exchange. Even from a game design standpoint, like I think there will be a lot more opportunity to leverage NFTs than let's say like a utility token, which is just a currency in the game, right? Um, so I, I'm also a bit bullish on like NFTs and their ability to change the way that people engage, not just with the game, but engage within themselves 
like whether individually like peer to peer or as in groups um, as already like, uh, you know, gaming guilds have started so you can like rent items or, you know, lend rent, whatever. Um, and this is, you know, pretty cool to like have people forming uh, their own communities based on this type of thing this early into the, the space. Brilliant. Um, oh, sorry. You have uh, something to add on. No, no, no. I, I was, but yeah, we can we can move on. I'm, I'm just thinking also like one of the downside at the moment, of course, is is uh, we're so early on and the security uh, security levels are are not there yet. Uh, but I think we can we can skip that part. But for obvious reasons, uh, we we uh, have some problems in the space. Uh, Yay! Going, let's talk regulation. Uh, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay, I think that's a good segue into the next question, to be fair. Uh, Bastian, uh, are you ready with your question? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, it's it's uh, going back to a little bit, I think, where, where I come from. That question of why is there such a toxic environment in many gaming communities? Like, wh why have we gone down that, that road of... of developers being attacked or, or threatened when a game comes out late or whatever it is. So so all of that kind of going on where companies even shut down their channels because there has been so much hate flowing around. You're talking specifically about companies that are going into uh, the like pay to earn or web no, free space or just in general? In general for gaming oh, okay. and, and maybe connected to could could I, I'm not I'm never gonna say could play to earn do anything right I, I established mm -hmm. that I <laughs> really dislike the idea of that's why I'm playing a game but could the technology of digital ownership and blockchain could that technology help in any way to fix a potential problem I I think it the problem is that people are um, anonymous online and and many of them many of the most toxic people are are very young. Um, yeah, often around maybe 18, 20, or even younger. Um, and they know that they're never going to get caught uh, saying what they say. I know that Blizzard, if if we take uh, tokens for an example, do, do, do you mean like tokens as as a identifier for that person so that they won't have... They won't be anonymous anymore, or or do you mean like? Well, I I, I just threw out the question, right? Where? Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so I personally believe that. Uh, so so at Fragi we work very much t uh, towards uh, anti toxicity. Uh, it's it's a terrible thing in in the gaming community and in the industry as a whole. I don't think, unfortunately, you'll be able to solve it. Uh, what happens? I know Blizzard. Uh, they tried. To make uh, so so on their forums, you had to use your real name instead of your uh, in-game name, and they got tons of backlash. Uh, and I think that's going to happen uh, to to anyone who tries to make to make people uh, communicate in a non-anonymous way in this industry. Unfortunately, just because uh, there's a price to pay when when you're anonymous. But but I personally, I'm, I'm I don't consider myself to be toxic. But but I prefer to stay anonymous when playing, for example, Counter Strike. I don't want to play with my my real name. Uh, and a lot of people take advantage of that because they know they can say whatever they think and and get away with it. Um, so I think the the root problem or the root cause of toxicity in the gaming community is people being anonymous and not being held accountable for what they say. In my opinion. Yeah, 
I mean, I mean, I I uh, I, I used to used to work uh, prior with with Lego and Lego as a brand and the gaming side for for Lego and and you know looking at even though you you had like parents account and you had all of these thresholds uh, we we built uh, of course when you can build stuff uh, you know the number one thing when we released something was was pretty much that you built penises and swastikas. That was the number yeah. one thing because then that that what that what that is what people built and even though we had like reviews on it, they could put the, like a swastika and then they built the house on top of it. So you couldn't see the swastika, but they know that it was in there and and you know so on. So I think from from a really early age, people you know want to to break sort of the, that uh, the rules and then of course without uh, without the consequence thinking around it. Uh, I guess that leverage also like the anonymous uh, and, and you can you know write what you want but i think also within the in the gaming space i think we have a problem also with like uh not not only the young ones but but the older ones also be sort of a you know this behavior of of things should be as it used to be uh, of course you had the reference of buying a copy of the, and uh, a physical copy of a game and then go home and play it and and that's also, I mean, all the backlash regarding the free to free to play thing, and of course the skins, uh, and you know all, all the pay to win a backlash. Uh, all the gaming uh, companies had as well. I think it's it's always when you move in a direction where the money the money should should uh, should be spent and and could be spent, you know, at the other end or you know in another way, and it could you know benefit somebody even more than it used to do. Uh, all of these backlashes uh, comes pretty much from from I think everybody thinks that that gaming companies are greedy uh, and or a lot of it at least from from greed uh, because because now you know Diablo wants you to pay you know tremendous amount of money for for all the the stuff and before I bought Diablo for for 60 euros and then I played it and then I could finish it and I can finish it on on different modes but now if I even want to try to get close to it I need to spend you know ten thousand dollars to get close to it so I think I think greed is also one part of this and that can't be ignored and and you know when you go to to nfts then in, into the next stage then uh, you have all of these releases and and you know assets becomes really valuable and you see all of these crazy numbers and you you, you know that's also connects with that greed uh, I would think I think it looks yeah I think I would take a kind of a slightly uh, different view on on this question but uh, mainly from the gaming industry and the toxicity from like emergent tech within it right so I'll just be like a little holistic here rather than like specific user bases um so when I see like toxicity of like web3 right which we've already just like described like don't say nft like don't say free to earn or sorry play to earn um i remember when this was browser games right <laughs> those aren't games like the, the amount of uh of conferences i went to early in my career and it was just like ah oh, so what do you do oh, i make you know this this in this game oh okay like with, with that like we are not the same type attitude by console gamer uh development and then, uh, of course, free to play, right? Everybody was saying like, this is such a stupid model. You can't build games around this. Um, and I'm talking like within the industry. Uh, and then going to mobile, of course, like how stupid could you be? Nobody wants to play games on this tiny little device that you hold in your hand, right? And so like, the next thing is like now Web3, like, oh, that's so dumb. Like you just want to like own JPEGs and, you know, 
essentially become some like forex trader like within the crypto space while you like play this game okay whatever um so i think there is a, an aspect of like the unknown and people absolutely just kind of uh i don't want to like blame them but like not wanting to learn and getting a bit stuck in their ways as lars was saying um and so naturally like the amount of defensiveness like comes off as toxicity right and then of course you have like very large announcements like microsoft just announced uh, that uh minecraft will not have like uh do any nft integrations and everyone's like see they they hate nfts like good for them when really i mean as you were just saying with greed man microsoft saw a, another company making hundreds of millions of dollars and was like wait we don't get any of this shut that down like we'll figure out a way in the next couple of years to make that money ourselves so it's not necessarily like hey good guy microsoft like it gets back to that aspect of hey hold on like there's this new technology and you're making money from it like no way and this is kind of the promise of like the decentralized like hey try and stop it uh but of course, these larger companies will try and figure it out. But to the toxicity, I think it's more or less like that fundamental, like unknown, right? Because we've, we've been in the gaming industry long enough and seen like these changes over time. And, and it's just like, it, it's like deja vu, at least for me, <laughs> you know, like free to play and especially mobile. Yeah, because I mean, summarizing a little bit, I think uh, everyone here mentioned that the fact of, of not being uh, identified online, right? You can hide behind a screen. No one really knows who you are and everything. And let's call it in a utopian world, right? I still see potential in blockchain and, and let's say a sort of ID token, right? Um, we also were just, uh, you know, mentioning a little bit uh, regulations, whatever coming and so forth. I do see potentially a, you know, like you have a wallet that's you. It doesn't mean you have to have your name on it. It doesn't mean someone can Google me and it's like, oh, Bastion lives there. I'm going to visit him because now I'm angry at what he said. But actually having a digital identity that is connected to your account or something. And then if you start posting or something, that's your account, right? You can't just close it down. You open up a new and then you do it again. No, because it is linked. What you say stays with you in some sort. That's a way that I do see, you know, this technology potentially improving the unknown behind um, the screen. Again, not going all the way where I would say like, okay, Bastion Geisler is going to be on that account and anyone can check it out or something. No, but in some way, my accounts are connected. Let's call it like that. Also, maybe a little bit utopian thought of metaverse or something where, where you know, a lot of different games and everything is connected. And I have one character. I have one ident online identity where I jump in and out of things. And if that identity now is fixated to me, stuck with me, then I also might be more careful with what I want to do with that identity because I can't just switch it out by opening a new account. Yeah, because it's a bit pseudonymous, like where I don't know it's you, Bastion, but this it's wallet eight seven like massive hash like right, <laughs> yeah. and we know that this person is you know making comments towards you know whatever gender, like just, just toxic stuff. Uh, it, like it, it really like puts a bit more skin in the game. Like as you develop that presence, I don't want to like, <laughs> like, this is kind of a negative reference, like the black mirror episode where, you know, you have like the social score, right? So everyone's like thinking about like, 
hey, I should be polite in this situation. And then creating like an online environment where at least you think twice of like, man, maybe I shouldn't flame this person. I definitely shouldn't say like these types of things because I will carry that around. Uh, I, I like that take on it. Other industries are doing it, right? If I have an Uber account, am I, you know, going to be unpleasant in every Uber ride? Well, hopefully not because I'd get bad ratings from the drivers as well and I might not get picked up at night. Um, so the account stays with you. So that type of thing is where I see the potential in blockchain. Right, the whole token and and ID thing—that's technology that interests me um, as to kind of how can this positively impact the way we're going forward. It of course also means that the technology has to get to that point. Number one, mass adoption and everything else. But again, the potential just wasn't there before, and it is, I believe, with like ID tokens and blockchain and everything else. So but, it changes the game. Um, so, so for someone who who's kind of new to this whole whole um, area, what what would happen if, say, you're you're 18 years old and you have a, you say something really stupid online, uh, and you're you're tied, your comments are tied now to your online identity. You can't reverse it in any way. So now you're 40 years old, but that comment is still with you, no matter where you go, uh, because you put it online. You know, in real life, everyone has said something they regret but they didn't put it online, you know? Uh, what happens if you do that and you're tied to your, your uh, wallet, say, uh, and, and 20 years have passed and, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, now, uh, I, I, really, I really like, like the idea and I totally agree with you. Uh, we, we, speaking of Uber, like in our, we also have that in our, our uh, algorithms, uh, behavior ratings, but, but I wonder, how how it could negatively affect people especially uh the younger people you know coming going online and maybe ruining uh their online life uh for for the foreseeable future if they say something stupid um because they had a bad night uh, how how would that work yeah. i again uh, number one i don't think the technology is there yet uh, the the let's say framework for it is definitely not there yet meaning there is a lot of ways. I mean, just look at the ratings in Google, right? The app store, you can actually, in every release, you can reset your ratings to some degree and so forth. You can't with with uh, Google Play. In Google Play, older reviews get less weighting than new reviews. So a 20-year-old review would have pretty much no weight anymore. And, and so just top of my mind, that yeah. might already be something that would solve or, or, you know, potentially solve what you just said. But, and for me, again, it's, I'm not here to preach this is what we should do or anything. It's just that, again, from a technology standpoint, um, I'm, I'm intrigued, right? Okay. There, there is potential there. Uh, then, of course, there's plenty of, that might be a topic in itself, right? Um, but I do think that, again, everyone's looking at these kind of like uh, tokens and, and so forth. And then just like, yeah, that's a scam. It's like, uh, yeah, the token price has gone up so much and I bought into it and now I lost 70% of my money and so forth. So I really, for me personally, I want to get away from the financial aspects of it. And, and I really am intrigued what the, uh, what the technology can provide to us uh, in, a, in a larger scale. Um, so, so for me, it was a little bit out of that perspective brilliant um i love that i love the idea of everything that was mentioned there to be honest with you i think that's would be fantastic for the gaming industry personally uh way down the line but anyway let's move on to the next question 
Um, Lars, are you ready with your question? Yep, sure. Uh, so my question will be, uh, how will the current bear market impact play to earn, if I still can use that word, uh, gaming? Uh, yeah, no, but, but I mean, we, we, we had a bull run. Uh, you saw all, all of these games, all of these white paper games uh, be founded and, and getting a lot of, a lot of, of uh, heat regarding asset drops. You had frogs, you know, people speculating in frogs from some, you know, some game or whatever from ships from some other game. And, you know, everything was hot. Uh, you, you know, you, you didn't even have to have like a game, proper game design. It was like, oh, I'm doing, a, I'm doing an NFT game here and everybody would buy the assets anyway. So. So I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm curious on, on everybody's aspect here on on, on our view on, on how that this will treat the, the play to ever uh, space because as you as you can see now pretty much you know there, there's there's it, it's hard to get funding for for uh, for new games I, I believe when we're looking around uh, but also you can see that that NFTs are probably those the the, the digital assets the, the that has been least affected by by the crash also uh, you can see a lot of these assets still holding on to, to some value uh, when everybody else uh, or all the cryptos are, are going going down. So, so you know, potentially they're, they're, these are still, you know, people are holding on to them uh, and, and, you know, not ready to, to just give away because they, they still would, would like to play the games. But yeah, uh, that's my question. How you think we will come out from this bear market? Uh, all right, I can bash, bash in here again. I can open open up uh, with an answer. Uh, for, for me, um, again, looking at it from two sides, either you're kind of already, let's say, in the crypto space, you like it, right? You, you're there to speculate on a potential gain or something, and that's where you might get hurt now in the bear market. Um, for me, it's a little bit of a, let's call it non-issue, because the masses or the mainstream have not adopted it yet. Right, so there is zero impact, I would say, on the games industry, whether it's a bear market or not, not yet, uh, because I just don't think that the, the, the Web3 games are good enough. They, the, the stuff that's out there today is not going to attract me to stop playing Diablo or something else and then start a Web3 game. It's, it, they are not good enough yet, right? Will there come games? Well, I believe so. Right? I'm, I'm definitely open to the fact of Web3 gaming. I'm, 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 I'm pro if the game is fun enough and good enough as a game. Right? For, for me and many of the people I talk to, and, and I firmly believe most of the Western mainstream gamers, it is the uh, experience first. Right? The, the, whatever Web3 game you create has to be equally good, as good as a non-Web3 game, and then have the potential of digital ownership and everything as a bonus on top. That's when we start seeing adoption of it. Um, and the bear market, I actually don't think will change anything because there's so much money out there uh, in the Web3 market and uh, big investment firms like 16 Ounce and, and um, BlackRock, all of them have announced that they are not stopping their investments. There, there are billions coming in. I know three projects that have been funded with, with tens of millions of dollars in a bear in this bear market but it becomes much much more than a white paper sure so i actually I'm, need something now but i think this this he, your last sentence right there is exactly why it benefits the games uh, industry because you actually need something like yes there's money there but it's not uh, hey does anyone have an idea cool yeah. you get money right like this uh, <laughs> six to nine months ago it was insane 
And right now, I think the bear market like is going to kill all the wannabes, the people looking for a quick buck, and especially at the scale that it was at, you know, six to nine months ago, uh, it was crazy valuations. But those that survive are here to actually make long-term products that, that users will love because I totally agree. All things equal, plus the benefit of you own these digital assets, like, wow, that's like a, a, a value proposition that I think people will start to uh, get on board with but we're so far away from it. And we were getting saturated with all these titles that were giving, you know, play to earn or web three, a very bad name. And uh, now it's just kind of like uh, sifting those out. And I think the the more quality games and game makers will survive. Um, so I, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that it is a benefit and will affect the games industry because you're just, yeah getting rid of all the people that are just going for that quick buck. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, the, of course, the, the playing experience uh, needs to come first in order to have a long-lasting game. Of course, the quick buck is, it could always be there from a specula speculation point of view, but but having the, you know, the the, the, the skilled people uh, working on, on the, you know, proper game design with, with good games, good graphics, and, and the great play, game, gameplay, that, that's definitely something that, that will last, and, and that will probably also give, give, give Web3 Gaming a, a, a better... Uh, uh, you know, be a better uh, sort of better quality and and uh, att better attention as well uh, regarding the space. So, so I think that's, and, that's and these things need it. time, and like this yeah. actually gives us time. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, Niles, I know you touched upon this ever so slightly earlier on um, with a, an answer that you gave, but can you just expand upon that with your question? Yeah, sure. So, um, my question is out, out of curiosity as someone who's new to this space. And also I think for, for some of the listeners who, who are also new, how is, um, web three gaming or play to earn, um, different from what's been there before, for example, playing games, earning something in the game that you can sell for real money, uh, trade with other players. Um, What's what's the fundamental differences from from what we see today uh, and what we see a lot of people talking about when it comes to to Web three and and play to earn and and old old school games such as uh, Counter Strike, um, World of Warcraft, Rune Escape, for example. All right, Bastian here. Um, I'll, I'll start again. Um, for me, uh, again, it, it is that kind of. I actually think that for a gamer, uh, there needs to be a good design first. Um, some of the bigger uh, companies, they have started taking then NFTs and blockchain and everything and then implementing it in existing titles. And then there was this massive outcry by everyone. It's like, why are you putting NFTs in our product? We love our product and now you're ruining it. And it's that stuff that for me personally, I, I can't understand those decisions because why look at existing titles? Why look at existing products and then try to force this new technology in there? Uh, I personally believe that uh, good games around this technology need to be designed from the bottom up, right? You can't go from a paid title and then make a free-to-play title that works. It doesn't. A free-to-play title has a completely different monetization. It's designed from the bottom up completely different than a title I sell for 60 euros. Um, and it's the same here. So my biggest thing is would be stop, stop trying to implement it in existing stuff and actually do the work of sitting down and trying to understand the ups and downs of the technology and bring out new and good games that have, you know, a monetization scheme that makes sense and especially makes sense to the player as well. And, and I would even throw in that 
um, because a lot of gamers are right now, let's say, hating on the NFTs and, and, and Web3 gaming and everything else. I would say that if, if a Web3 game is made in what I would call correctly, it is actually more difficult to monetize a Web3 game. Because if I sell something and they and the player who buys it or can now sell it again, how do I again sell new stuff? Because players might already buy the stuff that has been sold already. So the monetization around a Web3 game is actually more challenging than any of the other models. Um, and designing it from the ground up, that's for me the big thing, right? Make it make it so there is benefit for the player in, in a good game. Uh, yeah. when you, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I would just uh, second a lot, a lot of the, <laughs> the things that Mashin just touched, uh, specifically like bottoms up approach to like designing this because the engagement loops, the monetization, just even the approach to like the long tail revenue, because ideally is what you're doing is trying to create a very healthy secondary market for your players to engage with each other in trade, right? Because as Bastian just said, like, okay, I sell this sword. This person can now, you know, trade or sell this sword to someone else. Um, it takes a bit of control away from me as a developer, but you have to think around these things, right? You have to design the system. Okay. Like how scarce are these items going to be? Um, how do we burn what, and what does that turn into? Um, you know, from at least my opinion, like very early on, I think there's a lot of promise in, you know, any type of crafting or breeding systems, because there's some really like, uh, easy ways in which you can take resources, burn them to make something else. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because players understand this from previous uh, games. Now, when it comes to kind of, I guess, the early attempts of, uh, you know, crypto, or as, as you were saying, uh, like, wow, gold farming. Um, this, I think, we're making more accessible and open to players, right? Uh, not everyone was engaged in, in gold farming and buying gold and uh, having access to that. And, you know, there's a lot of games that have done it pretty good. So a lot that have done it not so well because it is very difficult. And a lot of these games like resort to, or sorry, a lot of these user bases resort to back channel or third party, or, you know, really just like the half-hearted first party attempts. <clears throat> and now it's, uh, if created properly, you know, peer-to-peer, uh, -peer, right? Group-to-group, -group, you can do these things. So I think it just, again, gets back to that user experience and the agency that you're like really giving these players, but it's going to take a lot of thought to construct, you know, the edge cases to make sure that you do have longevity within this product from uh, a, a value standpoint, just to kind of bring that term into the, into the mix. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, at the game echo, echo system as well. I mean, one of the, the big benefits, of course, people talking about, yes, I own the NFT. I can, you know, bring it out to the marketplace, which, whichever I want, I can bring it and sell it wherever I want. And I mean, I own this, but I mean, if, if you own a sword, it will only be valid within the sort of the game ecosystem. Of course, you own it, but but you know there needs to be a player. Uh, there needs to be a player for that sword uh, in order for it to have a value. So I think also, uh, you know, all of these uh, you know benefits you you have of of uh, you know owning it is is not always relevant into into um, NFTs within gaming since since it's all dependent on on you know the game and the marketplace within the game and what you can do with it and, and all of the utilities, of course, tied to that. But, you know, bringing out from the game ecosystem, uh, it doesn't make much sense. 
uh, to be honest uh, it it could you know it it could have some utility but but still it's it's still uh, you know it's quite the same game design uh, for, for that as, as it was before uh, just that you don't have the middleman maybe taking the, the bigger cut of that purchase or that sale but i think you would have to take into consideration as i mean as we look at axie right like just the absolute inflation that it experienced because it did rely on these earlier models, right? And so this is why I kind of say that uh, great first attempts, right? But uh, as Bastian said, like this has to be a holistic approach. You really have to think this stuff through. And honestly, gone are the days where you just have like the numbers guy creating your economy. I, I, I just, it's just, Lars, I know you're doing some economy stuff. I, I don't know your background, but uh, so please, no take no offense. Uh, but I mean, this stuff is complex as f, um, and yep. you, like you really need like good economic knowledge. And so I, I just think that it's going to be a bit more difficult. And like you have to think about this from day one. It's not oh, let's go into soft launch and then figure it out. It's like no, you're you're like you you have a token, <laughs> like. How, what is the supply demand going here? Like, how is it going to be used? Like, what are the burn rates? Like all, all these different aspects. Uh, so I, yeah, I think a, a lot more preparation will have to certainly go into it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, moving from, from a, from a, from a free to play game, which also have a lot of token, token economy regarding, you know, like a hard currency and a soft currency and, you know, a well-balanced game. Uh, the big, the big thing moving moving into this space uh, for us has always been, you know, that secondary market and the the sort of the the utilities for for players in in you know after you know we are not no longer in control of it and what what could it do and what could happen and you know so it's it's definitely one one of these extra layers on top of what we already been been doing for years which is also a little bit scary and as you say it's, it's nothing that you just release and then hope for the best and then we'll, we'll adjust uh, but you know we we you know nice and slowly want to move move it into that space but but yeah it's it's definitely something for for the economists definitely brilliant uh and we'll leave it there then so this has been the evolution exchange podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank my guests uh, niles patrick bastian and lars for providing your insights into the topic and thank you everyone else for listening uh, if you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts reach out to me on linkedin or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com and we will see you all next time <laughs>